1: Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
2: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
3: Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, Brood X! There's often generational battles, Boomers complaining about Millennials, Gen X complaining about Zoomers, Zoomers duking it out with Boomers in the Thunderdome, but perhaps as we have our petty generational fights, we should stop to consider what's happening under our feet. Something is stirring, in fact, millions of somethings are stirring. Rude X is about to emerge. And we should put aside our petty squabbles about whether Millennials eat too many avocados, or. Zoomers do too many TikToks about avocados and prepare ourselves for Brood X that has been waiting 17 years to emerge from the ground. What is Brood X? Should we panic? Must we accept Brood X as our new leaders and how might we ingratiate ourselves to them? Discover this and more as we answer the age old question... How is it fair that swarms of baby turtles are considered cute, but swarms of bugs are considered, quote, horrifying? Joining me today to discuss Brood X and other mass spawning events is author of the book Where Am I Now, actress and unofficial
4: president of all millennials, Mara Wilson. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about this Brood X. It sounds a lot scarier than it actually is, I think. (laughs) Or is it? No, you're right. That's true. Uh,
3: yeah, it, it sounds scary. It sounds like this is our comeuppance as a species <laughs> and we're about to face the the music, the very loud music. Uh, but no, it, it, is, it is actually a very, very interesting thing in evolutionary biology. So this brood X is a mass
4: cicada bloom. First, I want to ask you, Mara, how, how's your feelings towards cicadas? You know, I, I don't think they have them where I grew up. Or at least mm. not in the ways that they do on the East Coast. Because yes. I, they, so, so 17 years, so they were, because I do remember hearing about them when I was a teenager. Yes. Uh, so probably when I was, that was 2004. So I would have been 16 or 17. And I do remember spending my summer on the East Coast. And I think that was the first time I'd ever heard cicadas.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we do get so I grew up in San Diego and I think we get some cicadas there. Yeah. But definitely we don't get the mass uh brooding yeah.
4: events. That happens on the east coast. I think like maybe I'd heard them before, but I didn't know what they were. Whereas mm. whereas when I lived on the east coast, like I definitely I, I'd heard cicadas <laughs> and and I knew what they sounded like. And I think, yeah, I was I was like visiting family on the east coast and 2004. And I was like, what's this weird noise in the trees that seems to be everywhere? And what are these like dead bodies littered on on the ground? So, uh, so, yeah. so yeah, so I'm kind of indifferent to them. I don't think that they're, they're like, I, I like the sounds of crickets chirping. I don't mind the sounds of cicadas so much. Uh, it is a bit overwhelming. And it is a bit gross when like their corpses littered the streets. But uh, But again, I haven't had to deal with that as much. So, uh, so it's, it's not, you know, it's not as much of an annoyance as like, as like coyotes are to me. Or I like, see. or or like snails or things like that, mm. where I'm like, gross, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, good uh, thing you missed the giant snail episode. That was oh, yeah. I'm. Oh god. Oh, snails gross <laughs> me out so much. I am sorry, Katie, but I'm gonna have to skip that episode because I think they're I think they're the grossest things ever.
3: <laughs> My friend Bridget also, uh, she's been on the show, also disgusted by snails. Yeah. Uh, so I won't tell you the story about when I was a toddler. I used to just eat garden snails. Whoa. Uh, I mean, that's, that's,
4: you know, that's, that's French. That's a, uh, It that's, is right? uh, yeah, that's gourmet. Very
3: Basque. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> now I wouldn't, I, I can't eat, uh, I can't eat escargot. Maybe it's because I like, as a kid, it's just like, you know what? I've eaten enough snails. So I
4: think I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard it's also not very good unless it's prepared a certain way. So yes. uh, it's like, it's like one of those things that turns out kind of rubbery and, and yeah.
3: Yeah. I don't know how I managed. The reason uh, I know I ate snails because I barely remember anything from that age is that my mom said that I would come, I would go out in the yard, and then come back, and I had like snail shell all on my face. Oh my god! I'm
4: sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't. Uh, I'm sorry, Mara. I can't. I, I can't. To. Yeah, I have I'm to. gagging. <laughs> uh.
3: I don't. I haven't done that in quite a
4: while. Though, I know. So I worry. know. But just the idea is is
3: yeah uh, uh, yeah well that's that's your gross out of the episode thanks yep. for, thanks
4: for being a champ. <laughs> i figured there would be one
3: <laughs> so yeah so cicadas maybe not that gross but maybe a little intimidating so this spring in the u.s we are welcoming millions of cicadas into the world in a mass hatching event so yay yeah I guess, like, before we talk about the mass spawning, let's talk about, like, what what even is a cicada? Right. They are a very loud bug. They are a true bug. They're, like, we call a lot of insects bugs, but there are just a few species that are known as, like, true bugs. Yeah. Uh, and others that I guess are wannabe bugs. I don't know.
4: but uh cicadas- Is it, like, how there's so- no such thing as a fish? Like, I, I always thought, mm. like, bug was kind of, like, a fake name that, that was just sort of grouping... A bunch of different creatures together.
3: There's actually, but there is, yeah, such there a is thing. actually there is such a thing. There is actually true bugs. Yes. So yeah, I mean taxonomy gets very. Mm, I don't know. There's a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of like you know like with you mentioned with fish. There there are like ray and fish and then uh, but a lot of things that aren't fish are called fish like jellyfish are not fish. They're yeah. cnidarians. Um, we're actually going to talk about some more Nidarians uh, at the end of the episode, uh, which will be very strange. But yeah, so so cicadas, true bugs, and they're actually related to leafhoppers, those cute little leaf-shaped bugs that are really good jumpers, oh, yeah, and they they come in really interesting shapes. So I think we did an episode on leafhoppers before, but yeah, they are very interesting
4: bugs, very beautiful. They are. That's like one of the things that like blows, It's it's like... Like, if you ever want to blow, like, a four-year-old's mind, you know, show them a picture of a leafhopper. Because <laughs> I remember, like, I remember being in, like, preschool and kindergarten and going to, I don't know if it was a nature preserve or what, but seeing leafhoppers and stick bugs and yeah. just losing my be yeah. Like, what? Yeah. How does this yeah. exist? How does right. this, how is this a thing? Yeah. It, it's, it looks...
3: Yeah, they look like made-up bugs that someone like paper mache together. Yeah, was like, yeah, I'm just gonna make a bug that's a leaf.
4: <laughs> but I never would have thought they were related to cicadas.
3: Yeah, yeah, like leafhoppers have that sort of triangular shape, so they're different. So there's there's leaf bugs that have the sort of flat leaf, and then there's leafhoppers where they still look like leaves, but they're like kind of folded up leaves yeah. where they they have that triangular shape. Uh, and they're really good jumpers. If you've ever like you you may see something that looks like a little leaf, but then it has like little legs, and then you try yeah. to pick it up and then it just almost disappears by how quickly it can jump. That's a yeah. leaf hopper. And cicadas are sort of like bigger versions of this, except they don't they don't uh, typically camouflage as leaves. They have wings and a thick triangular body. There are many species of cicadas. And they come in a variety of colors, from black to brown to green. There's even orange and blue hues. And they are fairly decently sized. So the smaller species are about uh, 0.75 inches or about two centimeters. And the largest species can be over two and a fourth inches long or 5.7 centimeters. So, you know,
4: big. Yeah. (laughs) I've I've seen them before and they are pretty big. The ones that I've seen were pretty big. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Like you don't want to get hit in the face with <laughs> them. like when you're when you're on your bike just for example, no reason.
4: I, I mean, I I haven't had that happen, but I have had uh what are the the, the Jerusalem beetles or not the Jerusalem they're like the oh, big Oh yeah. Or what are, what, are the big, what are Jerusalem crickets? What are it's not Jerusalem crickets. What am I thinking of? They're like the big flying There's these big flying things that are like big and blue. They look like giant bees. Uh oh
3: yeah. Those
4: are I don't know what they're called. We have them in Southern California.
3: I think they're June are, are you thinking about June bugs? June bugs? Or... No,
4: they're not June bugs because they're they're like they they like fold in on themselves. They they like roll up and they fly and they're like brightly colored and uh they look like they're like some kind of flying beetle. Oh, and uh but I've I've gotten one in my hair before. Oh yeah. I was yeah. like by my friend's pool and one got caught in my hair. Uh, (laughs) um, I've also, I've also found multiple spiders in my hair before, which I think, which I think means, or, or, or only one at a time, but like I found a spider in my hair once and then like, I can't even remember it happening, but just last year I found a spider in my hair and I was like, oh no, not again. And I was like, wow, that's a weird thing to think. I'm, I'm just proving my goth side. Like, oh, spider. I got a spider in my hair again.
3: Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I have I have bad like luck with things getting in my hair, too. I was at, um well, I won't name the restaurant, so I won't get sued. But I was <laughs> at a, a, a burger restaurant, and I felt something land on my head. And I was like, well, that's strange. And I just sort of mindlessly reach up and pick it up. And it's a giant cockroach.
4: Oh god!
3: Just, yeah, and it, it, I was like, um, "Waiter, <laughs> there's a cockroach uh, oh that fell on me," and he was just like, "Oh, I'm sorry." I was like, "You might, you might want to look into that. <laughs> like, just check <laughs> it out." I, I don't. I generally don't mind bugs. I, like, if a spider gets on me, there's an initial startle reflex, but it's something about it being in the hair. Yeah. that I hate. Like. Like emerging from your hair because you're like it,
4: it wasn't emerging in my hair. I just and it was a tiny spider, but yeah, the idea of it emerging from your hair feels like a like yeah. an, a creepy urban legend.
3: Right? Yeah, exactly. Like the oh oh, what's that? The grudge, you know? Yes, How, like, the exactly. Thing, the
4: fingers. I, cu- I do mind hair. the tiny spider. I looked at it, it. Might have been a fig eater beetle. beetle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Because it was big and iridescent, and that getting caught in my hair, I did mind. That I was like, you are too yes. big. Get out of my hair right now.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. No, no. I've, I've I've been smacked by by those. Yeah, ones those they, are they annoying, and they just they they just
4: it's just like you are so big. How can you fly?
3: Um. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like that's how I feel about cicadas too. They look too right. needy to fly, but they are they are lighter than they look, yeah. and they have big wings. Even though like maybe getting smacked in the face or having them land in your hair might be unpleasant, you don't really have anything to worry about because they are vegetarian vampires. They Mm. will not suck on human blood. They only suck on tree blood or uh, sap uh, out of roots and tree twigs. So they, thankfully, they are not out for human blood. That's good to know.
4: That is good. If they were, (laughs) we would all be screwed.
3: We would definitely. Oh, we'd be so dead. Uh, Uh, So the extremely loud calls they make are due to their bodies basically being designed like an instrument. Mm. So males sing to attract females. So that loud droning buzz you hear in the summer that can be ear splitting at times is males going, come on and get some of this
4: to all the females trying to attract them. It's kind of like a rising and falling sound, right? Like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it kind of sounds like a little tiny buzzsaw that, like, little <laughs> little forest gnomes are doing some serious high rises in the forests with yeah. little teeny tiny buzzsaws. But, yeah, it gets very loud. I mean, it gets as loud as a buzzsaw. Like, it, yeah. it's very, very loud.
4: Well, because there are thousands of them, right?
3: Well, even a single one can produce a very loud call. And then when you combine them, it yeah, it can be deafening because one cicada can produce a sound that is about almost as loud as a chainsaw. Wow. Yeah, so crickets and other loud sound-making uh, bugs and, and other, like, there, there are lots of animals that, that can make loud sounds, often use a technique called stridulation to produce their call. That's where they rub their wings or legs over a ribbed body structure and kind of like play themselves like one of those wood scraper instruments. Yeah. Remember in school when they made you sit in the circle and you're like, here, you get this wood block that you hit. (laughs) You get this like ribbed wood thing that you like scrape back and forth. You get the triangle. Yeah. And like they would only entrust the triangle to the non-annoying kids. Yeah. Because like otherwise the situation would get out of control. That was
4: was a privilege, yeah that
3: was yes definitely because otherwise it was just like clang 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 and pandemonium yeah like that that wooden thing that has like the the grooves in it and you like rub the the stick on it it makes that like ruh, 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 noise and it's like kind of the lame instrument that you get and you don't really love it but uh that is how a lot of crickets and that's how other animals will produce that loud noise through stridulation but cicadas don't use this technique like they are actually different they don't yeah. use stridulation they instead have specialized structures in their exoskeleton called timballs. so mm. timballs are these membranes that are connected to muscles that can vibrate them rapidly producing a very loud sound in fact cicadas are the loudest insect in the world so it's kind of like you know those like big metal sheets that you shake to make it sound like it's thunder oh yeah
4: yeah i've seen that happen like like I, i was on i worked on i remember working on a movie once and we uh we were on this this lot that used to be like an air force uh base i think and uh, there was a pool in there, and they made thunder sounds by putting a giant sheet of metal in the pool. <laughs> oh, wow. And this, like, really scary echo. Yeah, I was always amazed by that.
3: That's interesting. I didn't realize they actually put it in, submerged it, like, in water. That's, oh, it wasn't that's in cool. water. It was an empty pool. Oh, I see. So it would, would like, the, the resonance of it. Yeah, would be, the resonance oh, would be very. that's cool. It was
4: really cool. I You know, it was one of those, like, oh, that's how they do that kind of thing. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that would be, I feel like that would be spooky, though. Too. There's something about, like, uh, big empty rooms and then, like, yes. loud sounds in them. It was very like,
4: spooky. Yeah. Yeah,
3: it's spooky. It's like the idea of, like, going to a an abandoned theme park and then all of a sudden, <laughs> like, the, the um, carousel just starts up and it's just music and an empty, and then you're like, uh-oh, well, zombies are going to come now. Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, what have you done? Yeah. <laughs>
3: But yeah, so so the these tymbals, uh kind of work like those big metal sheets, uh, and but they're they're smaller and they vibrate them much more quickly, and so you get that I don't know if you'd call it high pitched, but sort of medium pitched like buzzing, humming sound. Yeah, and and uh, I, I provided you with lovely images of cicadas and like a little a little animated. <laughs> Uh, yeah. textbook illustration that should I don't know how helpful this animation is all included in the show notes so everyone can see it but basically it's showing like look it's this membrane and it goes it like sort of wobbles in and out
4: I think it, I um, find it really interesting also I love that it's from a site called cicadamania.com <laughs> <laughs>
3: everybody has I've their got thing a subscription everybody yeah, has yeah. their
4: thing that they love yeah, I'm
3: I'm actually subscribed to Cicada Biweekly, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it looks and it's interesting because it's this kind of rib structure. It looks mechanical. It looks yeah. like a machine part. In fact, the whole cicada looks very robot-like to they me. They do it looks like an alien machine. You know, kind of like a mixture between organic and machine, uh, which I find pretty cool. But yeah, so that's how. That uh, that sound is produced. And just just for fun, I will play a really loud cicada. I'll make sure it doesn't. It's not going to blow out your ears because I'm mm-hmm. going to control the volume. Um, so don't worry. <laughs> but, you know, the, this it's it sounds like construction work. Here is what it sounds like.
4: It, to me, it sounds almost like somebody revving up a motorcycle engine. Yeah. Because it kind of it kind of goes like... Yes. Com嘆. Yeah. Com嘆. There's like sort of a rise and fall.
3: Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it's like little, again, little forest gnomes on on their massive hogs just like revving around. Yeah, trying you know, to get
4: women's attention, which like was probably, <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably what a lot of... Dudes on motorcycles are trying to do. Yeah. yeah, you're right.
3: You're right. Cicadas are very much like like dudes on motorcycles going.
4: Yeah, just making some noise. Yeah, that that yes. that's yeah. That's that's what it seems like to me.
3: Yeah. So so fellas and, and ladies out there, if you're trying to seduce someone. Uh, yeah, just like make really loud buzzing noises. I think <laughs> it'll work. You've got the creature feature guarantee that that'll that'll get you some phone
4: numbers. Buy a motorcycle. It'll it'll definitely attract <laughs> some people for sure.
3: Or a buzz saw.
4: Yeah, or a buzz saw. Well, yeah, if you, if you just stand around with a buzz saw, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how many people that'll attract to you, but uh, but uh, very special people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It'll be
3: a, it'll be a match made in heaven once you find someone who appreciates. <laughs>
4: Depends the on where you of do a it, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah.
3: In a forest, maybe. Then it's like, oh, you're a lumberjack. Yeah. Middle of it, in the middle of, a, the, middle of a, the
4: street, maybe not. Yeah, not gonna make, not gonna make friends. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And so we are ready to welcome millions and millions of new cicadas into the world this spring. It's like, you know, spring is always associated with cute little bunnies and cute little baby chicks, but why not cute little uh, cicadas? (laughs) So the spring is very special because the periodical cicadas are having their moment. So, there are a few species of cicada that have periodical broods. So, a mass brood that stays in stasis underground, often for over a decade, and will emerge all together in one big party. So, right now in eastern and central US, cicadas that have been resting and developing underground for 17 years will emerge fully grown and ready to mate. So, if you're 17 years old and listening, uh to this podcast like these cicadas are the same age as you they've just been your entire life have been waiting underground to emerge
4: oh so maybe so maybe i was born in a cicada year
3: you could have been yeah because i think i
4: turned 17 the last time oh wow so yeah so maybe so maybe
3: (laughs) you're a cicada baby exactly (laughs) So this group of emerging periodical cicadas this spring are called Brood X, <laughs> which I love how menacing like I love how scientists don't shy away from naming things like menacingly. They don't. They don't. I mean, <laughs> of course, you, you have to. You lean into it, you yes, know? Yes, yes. I love the book Lean In by a Cicada, and it's just like a <laughs> cicada on the cover, looking professional. So this group of emerging periodical cicadas uh, will emerge around May of this year in Delaware, Illinois, Georgia, Indiana, New York, Kentucky, Maryland, North Carolina, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Michigan, Washington, D.C. So if you live in any of those places, Congratulations. Yep. There will be millions of cicadas coming out this spring, and they will be extremely loud because they are looking for mates. Basically, what happens is they'll pop out of the ground, mate, lay their eggs, and then die in a few weeks. So Mm. the males will make their characteristic buzzes, and the females will flick their wings, which makes this kind of like snapping sound, like a finger snap, but much louder, and that is signaling to the male that they are enticed by their revving sounds, and then they go and mate. And then the female will lay the eggs in the branches of trees. And shortly after that, the adult cicadas die because that's that's it. Like that, that's their uh, they've had their big party, and then they're like, "Well, I'm out of here." And then they die. <laughs> and that's why there's a bunch of uh, Mari. You were mentioning you found a bunch of cicada corpses. Yeah. Uh, now, you'll also find often like a bunch of, uh, they're not necessarily corpses, but the final molting. So it's right. like they, they molt out of their various life stages. And so if you find sort of a hollow, sort of kind of like amber colored, like it looks like sort of a yeah.
4: casing. I remember what they look like because of the game Neko Atsume, <laughs> the cat collecting <laughs> game. One of the cats, like the cats will give you little treats and it'll be stuff like a broken collar. It's the kind of stuff cats will bring you, like like a a you know an an old an old you know a shoelace or a broken half collar. a mouse and yeah exactly and and one of them is actually a, a cicada molting
3: oh wow <laughs> they'll bring you a cicada <laughs> molting
4: and I remember I saw that and I first saw it, I, it like brought back so many memories I was like oh my gosh I haven't seen one of these in years but I know exactly <laughs> what it is yeah,
3: yeah. So they, they, they. Th- I, you need to connect me with this game because I need to play any game that makes a cicada reference.
4: Yeah, it's the Neko Atsume. It's the cat collector game for iPhone. Oh, for I love this. It's very cute. I, yeah, I
3: got to I got to check it out. Yeah, this episode is not sponsored by this, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> but if you want to sponsor us, get at me. <laughs> So you'll find both the cicada corpses, which you can tell if they're they're the corpses because the they are actually uh, they have the full wings, and I think the ones in the U.S. are sort of blackish blue color, and then their wings are are um, lined in a bright orange, and so that's that's the adult form of the cicada. Whereas the casings, like the molted cicadas, is sort of it'll be this like kind of translucent amber color, and the wings are clearly not fully developed on these because in their earlier stages of formation, the wings are
4: little and they're not functional
3: yet because they get bigger and bigger with each molting. So
4: they, they travel in they don't travel in groups, but they like live in groups, right? Like yes. in swarms. Yeah. Cause, yes. cause they, I remember hearing them all together.
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like this is the, this is sort of the entire point of this mass uh, emergence from the ground is that, they emerge all at the same time, basically, millions of them, and then all mate at the same time, lay their eggs at the same time, and then that'll start the process again. So, yeah, I was because, because
4: I bet like females probably aren't that discriminating <laughs> when it comes to, yeah,
3: they can actually be because they have
4: the they have the
3: luxury to be discriminating because there's so many males right so like they'll listen to these these calls and if they mm. like the song like if it's it's like yeah that's a that's a nice that's a nice uh, motor revving sound mm-hmm. uh they'll invite the male over with the the wing
4: flicks and then they'll right. mate so i just feel like if you, if you do your wing flick at like a group of guys who's going to know <laughs> how do they know who it is no not you that guy that guy no that one no that one over there no not you yeah
3: that's a really good question. I'm not sure. I would imagine it may have something to do with timing. Like they hear a call and mm-hmm. then they sort of do a wing flick at them right after their call. But yeah, you're right. Like they, there must be some. That's a really good question. I wonder if there's any research on like how they are able to like directionally locate mm-hmm. where the stuff is coming from. I'm sure they probably have some. A very interesting auditory system. Yeah. Their 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 auditory system actually also works as a resonance chamber. So it's like mm-hmm. they they have this very complex little machine apparatus. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have some very complex way of being able to uh, differentiate the direction of sound. So that that would yeah. make it easier. To I make. mean that that's yeah that's a really good question. I went to
4: theater school and I'm very familiar with resonators with <laughs> <laughs> using your vocal resonators and. Uh, <laughs> so so yes my but, what now what'd you yeah. call me <laughs> just the, the uh the using yeah using using the different parts yeah that's that's mm-hmm. so res, resonance is something that uh you know i i admire in other creatures <laughs>
3: <laughs> they're natural born actors uh yeah. but they yeah but uh especially when they live and die the- on the stage yeah <laughs> uh and also with like how many of them are trying to yes.
4: uh, buy for <laughs> exactly? <the part. laughs>
3: yeah,
4: yeah, it's true. Oof. It's
3: true. When the female lays the eggs, they'll actually lay them in the branches of trees, and then again, the adult cicada is like, "Well, we had our big party now. Now we're out. See ya." And yeah. they die. Uh, and then the when the lar- the the eggs hatch with this little teeny nymph, uh, uh, like a baby cicada, the nymphs will fall to the ground and burrow down a couple oh. feet uh, near the tree roots, near the plant roots. And then they will wait another 17 years before they emerge again. Um, underground, they live off the juices of the tree roots, which is called xylem. Uh, basically, like I said, they are tree vampires. Um, and they take years to fully mature. So they go through many stages of molting and transformations from the nymph form uh, which is the young wingless stage after hatching to adults where they have the full wings and they're ready to party. Uh, so they slowly develop those wings which, with each molting. And then once they've reached their final stage of maturation, which is about at the same time, because again, they, they were all, uh, the eggs were laid at the same time. They all went underground at the same time. They're all synchronized, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, they will start to burrow upwards and they test the temperature of the earth uh, and once it is above about sixty-four degrees Fahrenheit or eighteen degrees Celsius, they're like, "Yep, temperature's right. Out we come." And then it happens again, <laughs> <laughs> and they actually leave a bunch of holes in the ground. Uh, which for me, that's like the spookiest part. It's not seeing all the yeah. cicadas. It's like seeing the holes. Like, do you ever have you ever read a Genji Itō? Uh, like his horror comics
4: no i don't think i have but i mean that does sound creepy
3: there's a horror manga where it's like all these human shaped holes in a cliff face and like people like go inside and just get sucked up uh it's kind of it's just like all these like little cicada holes it's just it's a little creepy that's that i don't know why but that's the part that kind of creeps me out and it's not it's not trypophobia i don't have that that's the yeah the fear fear of holes. holes yeah it's it's not really that. I think it's just the knowing what they are. Like, that's where, like, th- this brood comes out from. I don't know. Gives yeah. It gives me the shivers. Um,
4: I mean, but- I feel like if you grew up in Southern California or, or you know, anywhere in the Southwest, you probably – holes in the ground mean snakes. <laughs> right. So I always, you know, my dad would always say never put your, your, uh, your hand or foot somewhere you can't see. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Because like, I remember when I was a little kid, and uh, I was like, digging around in the dirt, and I found a hole. I was like, Oh, I'll I'll dig down in this hole. Scorpion, scorpion in there. Don't do that. Yeah, don't Uh, do that. That's I
4: I have, (laughs) I have family that live in the desert. And they're just kind of like, well, the cat killed another scorpion today. Yeah. And scorpions are so common to them. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm like, that's a bit overwhelming for me. Scorpions yeah. are—I I, think—they're fascinating and cool, but uh, yeah. but I wouldn't want them. I wouldn't want them to be doing battle with my cats or me. Yeah,
3: they're great parents. Scorpions are, but they—I yeah. don't want them in my room. I've—I'm uh, like in my parents' house where I grew up, where actually I am right now because I'm visiting my parents. Because yeah. the vaccine, hooray! Yeah, we're right next to sort of this uh, arid canyon area, and yeah. so. For whatever reason, the bugs loved my room. Maybe they could <laughs> sense a kindred spirit, but yeah. I would get, like scorpions would get in there and it's like, it would only be my room for some reason. And, yeah. and, or maybe I was the only one looking around for scorpions, but I get <laughs> scorpions. I got uh, like a planarian once. It's like weird, uh, sort of warm thing and... Uh, I, I got the you mentioned. I, I think it was a misnomer. You were talking about the uh, fig beetles, but yeah, the, um, but Jerusalem crickets are around here as well. So I got yeah. got one of those. Those are very in creepy. My yeah. Those are creepy. Uh, their faces, something about them, I don't know. But yeah, so so I got a bunch of weird bugs, including uh, including scorpions. Never a cicada though. Only heard them from a distance. Speaking of bugs and them encroaching on us. You may be asking, why do they do this mass brooding event? Is it just to scare us? What's going? Is it an intimidation thing? Oh God, why are they doing this? So it's interesting because most cicada species aren't like this. They don't lay in wait for seventeen years and then emerge on mass. Like uh, they live for a few years and they have like annual mating cycles. Just so- typical stuff. Uh, the periodical brooding. Cicadas are interestingly different. Like their whole name is based on this this brooding habit. They're called magi cicada, uh, which sounds like it's like magic cicada, which is I, I love, uh, but it actually <laughs> comes from the Latin ma- magi or magi. I think it's magi. Magi, um, yeah. Which means to a great extent. So it's basically mm. saying like there there's a bunch of them. But I also <laughs> like to think that it's because they're magic, just like magic cicada. Yeah. But the purpose of this huge brood emergence is probably safety in numbers. Right. There there are so many of them. As an individual cicada, you're statistically unlikely to be preyed upon in such a huge mass of others. And it makes mating easier because you just have one big meet and greet party with millions of sexy singles in your area.
4: <laughs> exactly. It's, it's It's what everybody, everybody, like, you know. What what people be like? You know, me and my homies. Once we get the vaccine, you yes. know, of course, it's not going to be like that. It's much more going to be like you know, <laughs> us us slowly, you know, climbing out of of our cage where we've been <laughs> of hibernating. Our holes. Yes, it's, it's probably not going to be as fun and sexy as the cicadas.
3: <laughs> I mean, you know what? I didn't make that connection until now, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. This is like a metaphor for emerging from quarantine. Yeah, yeah. We're coming out of our holes that we've been in for, which feels like 17 years, but it's yeah. been over a year. And then we'll probably have a mass mating of it. I and we should definitely call like all the babies that happens because of like after the quarantine and yes. everyone like mating. We should call them broodx. They should I be Brudex, Yes, that <laughs> would be
4: that would be a great and and yeah, that would be a great a great name for them. I think the yes, the Brudex yes. babies.
3: And they would share. They'll share. Oh, and it. Oh my God, this is so perfect. It's like when nature is just poetic because yeah. they're going to share a birthday. With millions of cicadas. Yeah. So we'll have a bunch of cicada babies who are born <laughs> at the, like well, I guess not exactly, because they'll be conceived now. They'll they'll there's gonna be it's like a long nine enough. month delay. Qu-
4: quarantine's been long enough that there are, you know, conceived in quarantine babies. That's
3: true. That's true. I thought there wasn't like there was expected a baby boom, but there wasn't because People yeah. didn't
4: feel like having a child. In <laughs> Who there, would have thunk? There might still be. There might still be right. in the next. I, but yeah, but probably yeah. it was it was a bit too depressing.
3: I think there's going I think the celebratory we're out of quarantine baby boom is gonna be much bigger. I mean, also because probably. I think probably a lot of people wanted to have children and then were waiting until after quarantine to have yeah. children. So like I, I imagine a lot of them are gonna be planned pregnancies of like, hey, we're out of quarantine now we can start our families yeah exactly and so they're gonna be yeah it's it's beautiful you your babies are gonna share a special a special year with the millions of cicadas that are also going to uh breed this year
4: yeah cicada generation (laughs) ah
3: wonderful that's just it's beautiful
4: it's 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 like a poem it's it's yeah sort syn- They're synchronized, you know, much like the cicadas themselves. <laughs> now we're synchronized with the cicadas. Yes. So we're just going to
3: slowly become more and more cicada-like. Uh, so They got a good um, thing going. <laughs> yeah. Another proposed theory for why they have such a long brooding cycle is that it makes it hard for predators to adapt to your weird intervals. So like if you right. are only – like you only emerge every 17 years – Evolutionarily, it's kind of difficult for predators to have like they don't have a lot of predators don't have a lifespan of seventeen years, so matching up with with that and being able to develop specific um, evolutionary traits to be able to prey upon you is harder. Uh, although some biologists disagree with this theory, they say like, well, there's actually a fungus that has developed that can specifically prey upon these uh, periodical cicadas. So obviously. There's, you know, but, but I, I still think that like, yeah, obviously fungus, like probably because it's under the ground. Fungi and they are
4: terrifying.
3: They are. Yeah. They, they, there's no defeating fungi. Like that's the final boss. Honestly. Yeah. Like we, we'd like to, we're like, oh no, cicadas. No cicadas. We don't have to worry about them. Fungi. That's what we gotta worry about. Yeah, that's what. That's what the zombie virus is it's not going to be a virus. It's going to be a fungus. Yeah, the Get most right in our brains.
4: Like the most terrifying. Like I think about how I'll, I'll walk outside and I'll see mushrooms pop up out of nowhere one morning. Yeah. and then the next day they'll be gone. And I'm like, yeah. how did you do that? How did you pop up and then go away? How yes. it's it's I I do not understand them. <laughs> I have respect for them.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not a fungi expert, uh, as much as I wish I was. But yeah, they they there's something about them that yeah spooks me because they're not they're not an animal, but they're not really a plant either. Yeah, they're in that in between zone of spookiness. And yeah, so especially the parasitic fungus like uh, cordyceps. Ooh, yeah, spooky because that goes inside an ant's brain or other insects oh, and makes it right. go, uh, like takes over their brain makes them climb up a tree branch and then sprouts spores like right out of their brain that's what the Oof, uh, last yeah. of us that uh ga- the video game about um zombie apocalypse like that that the last of us based their uh zombie infection on the cordyceps um, oh really oh that makes yeah. sense yeah i, I yeah. heard
4: about the, la- about the last of us but nobody has has told me that 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 uh, yeah that sounds really cool
3: yeah, it is. I I really loved that aspect of the game. It's like the the biological meshing sort of these biological facts yeah. with their their fa- the science fiction scenario. I mean,
4: we 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 kind of understand bacteria. We we kind of understand viruses, but yeah, like fungi and like what are they prions, prions, those things are Oh yeah.
3: yeah. Those things are
4: are Oof, Those yeah. are the
3: misfolded proteins that that just like yeah, yeah. causes a ruckus in your brain. Those Don't are scary. like that. Those are very scary. Yeah, those scary. are scary. But I do think like aside from from fungi, which are uh, not a fun guy, (laughs) Uh, you know, I think that that strategy of like if you lay in wait for like 17 years, yeah, like birds aren't going to know what to do about you. Like their lifespans are typically not 17 years long, so they're not going to have any memory of these brooding events. They're not going to know like when to come and prey on you. So uh, I, I think that maybe that is part of the strategy um interestingly sometimes there are stragglers who either come too early or too late to the big brooding party so it's not Mm. not perfect you know uh nobody's perfect pobuddy's nerfect and that applies to cicadas
4: too (laughs) i feel like i've heard them before i've I've heard like like one soul yeah yeah i feel like (laughs) we get that like we used to get the they're not actually june bugs but we call them june bugs in yeah in california and like once or twice we would get a june bug That was late. My mom was like, oh, sorry, dude. (laughs) You're late. It's not June anymore. And yeah, yeah, yeah. cicadas, you'd hear, sometimes you'd you'd hear like one and it was just like, oh, that's so sad.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, anybody is still out here? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But what's interesting is if there's enough stragglers, uh, because there's so many of them even if you're a straggler, the chance that there's going to be another straggler is pretty high. So uh, sometimes there are enough of them that they actually successfully mate, like a group of them, and then they can get off sync a little bit from the rest of them. And that can actually uh, start a new brood uh, that also, they still have like the 17 year cycle, but because they're like off sync just a little bit, they start like a different brood that will actually hatch different years. So There are many different um, cicada broods. So brood X is not the only one. There are cicada broods that emerge every 17 years. There are some that also emerge every 13 years, so slightly different species.
4: Yeah, because I know I've heard cicadas at times that weren't just – that wasn't just 17 years ago.
3: Yes, because – well, first of all, there's the cicadas that aren't periodical brooders. So they're around every year, um, and they they don't do this behavior of waiting 17 years. They they have like a yearly – reproductive cycle mm-hmm. but you may be saying like well I- I've seen like mass emergence of cicadas and it hasn't been 17 years since I've seen it and that's because like they're they're on these different cycles so this yeah. is not it's not that this event only happens every se- 17 years this brood x is only gonna happen every 17 years because their population is on this uh, yeah. schedule But there are going to be other staggered populations of cicadas that are on different schedules. Yeah. Uh, So we see these mass brood emergence events every few years. And so it's, yeah. So if you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to miss this mass brood emergence, don't panic. There'll be another (laughs) one. And you won't have to wait 17 years. But if you want to see this specific brood event, yeah, you will have to wait another 17 years. Um, (laughs) There's enough cicadas for everyone. Don't worry. (laughs) Speaking of which, actually, apparently I read that cicadas taste like canned asparagus. Really? Which I don't know what like the the like Venn diagram of like people who have eaten canned asparagus and yeah. people who have eaten cicadas who has both eaten canned asparagus, yuck. And cicadas. Like, yeah. enough people have eaten both of them that they're like, oh, yeah, this is, like, the canned asparagus that I eat. Like,
4: what? Yeah, I mean, liking asparagus is, like, a very specific thing anyway. Like, yeah. I, I think asparagus is okay. It's not my favorite. My sister loves yeah. it, and she cooks it a lot. And, you know, sometimes I'll eat it if she cooks it. But, but yeah, but I've never had it canned, and, and expar- that sounds really yeah, no. gross.
3: No, I I am like you. Like I'll have like roasted asparagus. I don't love it. It's a little too fibrous for me. Yeah. Um. Also, making your piecemeal smell weird. I'm not into yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but like, but the but can't I couldn't like eat it. Something about canned asparagus just ugh, does not appeal to me at all. But then it's like who's eat like i well actually you know what i guess it makes sense the kind of person who would regularly eat canned asparagus probably would eat a cicada just out of curiosity
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: they're already eating eating weird stuff so yeah right why not right
3: yeah, it's like what? Look, once you've stooped to the level of eating canned asparagus, why not just try a cicada? I, I'm
4: thinking, is it like army rations or something? Because, <laughs> or, or like survivalists? Because I, feel, oh, I do feel maybe, like, yeah, like survivalists. Because that seems like like the kind of people who would do it. They'll be like, yeah, we eat bugs. We've also eaten, you know, these canned vegetables. Yeah, of course. Look, bugs are going to be the meat of the future. Yeah. Which I mean, like, yes, it grosses me out to think about. Like, I, I, it both, I both am like, oh, this is actually like a really good idea to like make cricket flour or something like that right. because it's more readily available and it's, you know, probably safer and maybe even then probably more humane than like factory farming and such. But right. But also, like, the idea also, grosses gross. me. Out. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, I'm with you. Like, I'm like, yeah, no, we should be probably eating more insects. That would be more. Yeah ecologically good for the planet. Uh but yuck gross. Icky, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm like I, I and I think it's entirely cultural. I don't think yeah. there's any real logic to it. There are places where people do eat insects and like it's totally normal and fine and they'd probably oh, like yeah, to look exactly. at our they probably look at our food like they'd probably look at like a Carl's Jr. like burger and be like, what the hell? Like, yeah, oh, exactly. Gross. No,
4: it totally is cultural. Uh, and I feel like there's. Yeah. And and people and you can like survive pretty well off of. Uh, yeah. Off of bugs. There was a
3: gu- yeah. There was a guy that uh, was accidentally got stranded, I think, somewhere in Australia, like in the desert brush area. And he survived by eating witchetty grubs which are these big like sort of you know how in the lion king there's a scene where they like teach Simba to eat big grubs it's they're huge grubs and they just look not super appealing to eat but people have been eat like for centuries uh people have been eating um the witchetty grubs as as a uh, part of like their diet and they're they're perfectly good to eat and this guy survived by eating them uh, and yeah, I just, it's, it's totally cultural that we've, we've been brainwashed to reject insects as food, Yeah, uh, but somehow be okay with factory farming, which is a little messed up.
4: Yeah. Which is, which is even grosser. <laughs> probably. Right. Exact, yeah. It's way grosser. I, I think Both, that like, yeah. I don't like eating, eat, like I, I eat meat sometimes. I don't eat a lot of meat, but like, but like when I do, like, I don't like, I don't think I would like to eat a cricket if it looked like a cricket. Yeah. And, and, but I also don't like to eat meat that looks like the animal that it is like i i feel like yeah. yeah and i feel like for me that's a psychological thing you know, I,
3: I'm kind of the opposite. I almost like want to know I'm just eating a bug. Like, yeah. I feel like if it's if you're like this cookie was made out of ground up crickets. I
0: would feel like Here, I've
3: roasted this cricket and it's like prepared it. And, you know, like, I'm like, OK, at least this is being honest with me. What That's it is. true.
4: I wouldn't want to be tricked into eating it or anything. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think I would rather also I think I'd rather eat a prepared uh, bug than I would to eat canned asparagus like, <laughs> absolutely i'm not eating canned asparagus yeah uh,
0: no. yeah like canned
3: canned no mm-mm. uh or canned mushrooms too uh oh God, no. yeah those like, are really I'd gross rather, i'd rather eat a freshly prepared insect yeah um in terms of the cicada the cicada brood x like should we be concerned uh about this like are you in imminent danger of uh having your face covered in cicadas and then like you know skeletonizing you? no uh, cicadas are harmless to humans. They don't sting or bite. Uh, they are loud, so if you live near where this is happening, you might have some tough nights. But uh, you know, they're not. They they don't hurt humans. They also don't hurt the. Uh, they don't really hurt the trees or crops or anything. They're not like locusts. They don't destroy crops. Uh, they will suck the juice out of tree twigs, which also doesn't really hurt the trees that much like it seems actually to just kind of like prune the trees they don't really do lasting damage to the trees There's, there are even some arguments with that because they burst out of these holes it helps aerate the soil and is actually good for the trees hmm. i feel like it's probably a net neutral because they do suck uh some of the juices out of the roots and and when they lay their eggs they actually like kind of cut into the tree a little bit to like stuff the eggs in so they're secure there so i think it's it's probably just a neutral effect on the trees. Um but I have seen some arguments that it's actually beneficial. So so maybe, but either way they're not harmful. So just enjoy the big cicada party that happens only once every 17 years. They're
4: kind of the musical theater kids of of <laughs> the insect world, which I mean, I relate to as a musical theater kid. They're they're really annoying but they're harmless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't don't like don't hate on them too much. Just let them do their thing, you know. Yeah. Like like you know, you can find them annoying, but they're just, you know.
3: Yeah. They might be cosplaying as vampires, but it's exactly. really just like tomato juice. So you They know. just
4: wanna hook up at the cast party. <laughs> you know, they just wanna hook up at the cast party. So so let them have their little their party full of, you know, massage trains and uh and, right. and you'll go
3: back underground soon enough. Yeah,
4: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they'll, they'll grow out of it, you know, just as theater kids, yeah, kind of grow out of there. Yeah, that, that's what they are. Cicadas are the theater yeah. kids.
3: Yeah, I'm sure theater kids are going to be okay with that comparison.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i okay with it and I'm a theater kid, yeah. so yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah. You're the president of theater kids.
4: Oh God, <laughs> am I? I might be. <laughs>
1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
3: So we've talked about cicadas and their mass brooding events, but they are not the only animal that does this. Mar, are you familiar with sea turtle mass hatching events?
4: No, I'm not, but please tell me because I love turtles.
3: Yes, so thousands of female sea turtles... Have this uncanny ability to emerge from the ocean all at once to lay their eggs at specific beaches. So there are all of Ridley sea turtles are one such species who will emerge by the thousands to oh lay gosh. their eggs at select beaches. Like uh, there's a beach called uh, Ostional in Costa Rica, and they seem to specifically select particular beaches to all come and lay their eggs en masse. And because they're all coming at the same time to lay their eggs, that means the eggs will all hatch around the same time as well. Wow. And so when these eggs hatch, they'll come out because like they bury them in the sand and they they have, each one has a clutch of, uh, uh, I think a couple dozen eggs and then they'll all come out at the same time and the hatchlings will instinctively go towards the ocean, uh, possibly guided by light reflecting off of the water. Uh, some of them, like they'll come out during night, and like the moonlight reflecting off the water seems to be a beacon for them. These uh, turtles, even though there are so many of them, actually surprisingly few will reach adulthood because they're small and delicious, like little, no. like little cinnamon buns. Yeah, uh, and. So, like, there are lots of scavengers and predators who uh, wait for these events. They they know it's happening, and these are very tasty treats for them because they're so defenseless and they're they don't they can't move that quickly. So when they emerge, they have this very dangerous trek to the ocean. And so having this mass hatching event again gives you safety in numbers. Like you right. are you know you may not make it to the ocean, but like you're m- much have a much better chance if you're one of like thousands and thousands of individuals than if it's just you coming out and then like a seagull is going to immediately see you and just snatch you up. So yeah, these these mass turtle hatchings, they, they happen all over the world, um, but like often these populations of sea turtles prefer specific beaches. So there are often these events that, that people wait for these turtles to hatch and, and watch them or like sometimes- to do
4: that. Yeah, yeah, turtles. Yeah,
3: it's it's quite something. I mean, the babies are so cute. It's hard though because, like you know, a lot of them aren't going to make it. So, and you can't, you you shouldn't interfere. Sometimes there are rescue groups that will like kind of try to help uh, protect them from like poaching and stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, it it is it is quite something though. So you know, watching a video of just like thousands of these turtles, just like kind of like ambling, like (laughs) because they can't move very well. Uh they just kind of like use their little flippers to like kind of push themselves forward and it's just like yeah
4: eh. I, I like the little patterns that they leave in the ground. Yeah, I'm looking at the little patterns they leave, and it yeah. it, it does look like they're just moving forward very, very slowly, just yes. inching. It's very cute. I mean,
3: they're <laughs> hustling. You can tell they're hustling as fast as they can. Unfortunately, that's just not very fast.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh but yeah, they 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 really they really try to gun it to the ocean, but they can they can only move so fast because they're these little tiny little tiny like sand dollar sized things, and they they just yeah, it's. But yeah, you're right, the, the patterns they leave behind are, are quite beautiful. But you may have heard of the, the sea turtle mass hatchings, but there are also mass river turtle hatchings. That, that I didn't happen know
4: about. In,
3: yeah, in the Amazon rainforest. So in Brazil, on the Purus River, uh, in the Amazon rainforest, uh, tens of thousands of baby Arayu turtles, also known as the giant South American river turtles, will hatch and make their way to the the river so similar to the sea turtles they are buried in the sand which keeps the eggs safe right so if you're wondering well why don't they just lay them in the ocean or in the river yeah uh the eggs are going to be just sitting ducks or sitting eggs for anything to eat so burying them in the sand keeps them safe uh and so once they hatch that is when the real trouble starts so
4: they say giant how how giant are they
3: Yeah, so as adults, the babies are small, obviously cute little babies. But as adults, they get up to about 200 pounds or 90 kilograms in weight. Those are the larger. I think on average they don't reach that weight, but like those are some of the larger individuals, Uh, and their shells can grow to be over three feet long or over one meters long. So I think typically they're a little smaller, so more around like hundred to 150 pounds um and a little sh- smaller shells but they can get quite big they're also I think as adults very cute they have these long necks and they have these little piggy noses like little yes. little, little piggy <laughs> snouts and then they also uh often like algae will grow on their shells so th- I I think they're really cool sometimes they get like these mohawks of algae growing on them um they're they're really interesting looking very cool uh and then the babies uh, are adorable, but they face a very unfortunate odds. So in a protected area of the Peruse River, uh, these turtles will hatch en masse. So in 2020, 90,000 baby turtles hatched just within a few days of each other. And if you think that's going to look like a huge pile of baby turtles, that is what it looks like.
4: Wow. So- yeah.
3: Unfortunately, even though there's just so many of them, you'd think like, well, God, there must be like huge numbers of these turtles. Unfortunately, only about 1% of them will reach adulthood. So it truly is just a law of large numbers. Like you want to make as many babies as you can because their odds are so slim. And you just want to make sure that some of them will make it to adulthood.
4: What are their their predators? Do you know? I mean, there's probably a lot of different things.
3: Yeah, a lot, for the sea turtles, there are a lot of, like, birds are a mm-hmm. big one, but there are also plenty of small sharks, like, in the ocean that are really good predators.
0: What about the
4: river ones?
3: And the river ones, again, I mean, there are a lot of scavenging birds that, freshwater birds that will pray for them. And then um I'm pretty sure, uh, I mean, there are a lot of big fish uh in these rivers that are, would be happy enough to eat them. There's also... Otters, river otters I believe that live in the area.
4: Oh yeah, river otters are scary. Like I like I like otters but river otters are scary. They're they're <laughs> yeah, they're serious.
3: They're serious. Like you, you think of the cute little sea otters. No, yeah. river otters are huge. They're like almost as tall, like the, as a adult man. Yeah. And they they're long. They have huge teeth. They can take on crocodiles. They can like yeah. literally take on on gators and crocodiles and and hold their own. So they're serious business. But yeah, so that that is perhaps one of the cutest mass spawnings. Uh, but in terms of the biggest mass spawning, you have to go to the Great Barrier Reef. Ah, uh, so yeah. So the Great Barrier Reef is home to the largest mass spawning events in the world of coral. So I know coral looks like a plant or a rock, but they are living animals, which mm-hmm. is mind blowing. They just don't—they don't look like they should be alive. They look like a, uh, you know, they look like set dressing.
4: Yeah, my my grandmother had a uh, coral ring. And it's weird to me now because I'm like, that's almost like, that's like closer to fur than it is to like, you know, diamonds it's like a or skeleton. G- gems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was a very pretty ring. But yeah. I think about it now and I'm like, oh, so weird that that was alive once.
3: Yes, yes. And so coral are very much alive. They are cnidarians, which is the same phylum as jellyfish and sea anemones. Mm. So, yeah, they're actually related to jellyfish and sea anemones. They are often colonials. So that means they form these huge groups of many individual polyps. So a polyp is like just like one individual. like you see if you see a big branching thing of coral, Chances are there are, like, thousands of individual polyps or hundreds of individual polyps, like, on this piece of coral. Yeah. Um, So a polyp, uh, generally speaking for coral, is like an sort of oval structure. For some coral, they look more like sort of a long flower with a stem. Some of them are more squat. Some of them look sort of like a flower bulb. Some of them look more like pine cone shaped but it's this is a living it's got, it's a living animal with like living tissue and it eats they'll they'll filter feed and they they like will come out of this um these corals and like uh you know use use their flowering organs to like catch prey and and filter feed and just whatever is floating around so colonial polyps will often share sort of a base uh, either formed by fibrous proteins or calcified materials uh, and so that will form these big beautiful structures that you see yeah. in the barrier reef. There are two main types of coral. There are soft corals and stony corals. Soft coral, uh, you may not even realize they're coral because they look uh, they, they don't look hard. They are, are visibly soft. They look sort of like a bunch of sea anemones or flowers.
4: Is that this oh yeah, you you have a picture of yellow ones. And yes. yeah, they look like they, they look like those bottle brush tree. You know, yeah. other things. Yeah, they look like spiny, but they look soft.
3: Yes, yes, they, they are. They are softer. They uh, don't generally have that like hard calcified skeletal structure. They're held together by jelly like tissues and they but they also do have some spiny structures that will support them.
4: I was gonna say, do they feel soft to touch?
3: Uh yeah, so part of them would feel soft to touch, but the part of them that is the sort of like base that's holding them together is going to be a little more firm, sort of like spiny, like like tree branches. Right. But yeah, like the the definitely the polyps themselves is going to be softer, but hard coral is going to feel hard. <laughs> so yeah. the, the stony coral, uh, is the stuff that you probably think of when you think of coral. They look like mineral, more like a mineral than an animal, but they are alive. So there are a bunch of tiny polyps on uh, stony coral skeletal structures. And like these polyps are, they're less sort of like flowery looking than soft corals. They're more, a little more conical shaped and they give like these stony uh, corals a sort of harder, more rocky appearance. Right. Uh, and because, uh, often like these, these polyps are very tiny, only like uh, one to three millimeters, you can barely see each individual. It just looks like this rocky texture on like this coral. It doesn't look like there's a bunch of individuals, but if you zoom in, those little, little bumps are actually like living polyps. Um, and if you ever I have a visual aid for Mara here, uh, mm-hmm. you guys can check out the show notes and and see pictures of this. But I actually found, because uh, like I mentioned, uh, oh. I'm actually at my, my parents' house right now. Uh, and I found this in the bathroom <laughs> as a decoration. It's actually a, um, a a coral skeleton. So this is uh, the uh, this is a stony coral and this is the calcified, hard uh, base of the skeleton that would home a bunch of little polyps. And I'm going to hold it up. Oh, yeah. So you can see each of these little, like, they look like little holes or little divots. I don't know how much detail you can get from the the camera. Yeah, it have, looks like,
4: like little stars on it. Yes. Like, they're not yes. holes. They're like little stars.
3: Right, because e- that the little, t- like, that was home to each of these polyps that had this, like, radial sort of branching structure. So each of those little, like, like feathery kind of star structures is where that that little polyp would have grown and have that like radial symmetry, like a sea anemone or like a jellyfish. Um, But it was like a little individual. And of course, all that's left now is the hard calcified structure or the, the skeleton. So if you have... Decorative coral. Um, that is a skeleton that you have, basically. Yeah,
4: I, I think uh, we used to have I like because when you when I as soon as I saw that I was like, that looks familiar. And I feel like we might have had that in my bathroom when we were little. Or yeah. like um It's a common bathroom decoration. Yeah. Or like like on on in like a little display on top of the the back when we had like uh you had like the T V cabinet. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yes. we had we had like we had like potpourri on one part of it and we had yeah. but we had like pretty rocks and coral on there too. Yeah. Or maybe like my grandparents had it. Yeah. I feel like that was, that was a very kind of seventies, eighties decoration. Yes,
3: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's <clears throat> it was kind of neat. Cause I was like thinking about this episode and like, and I was just like, you know, doing my business in the bathroom. We don't need to go in detail there, but I saw this like on a shelf and it's like, Oh, Hey, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm talking about today. Yeah. Yeah. So because corals are often huge colonies with hundreds of thousands of individual polyps, and the Great Barrier Reef is one of the world's largest coral systems with over 600 distinct coral species, there are millions and millions of individual polyps in the Great Barrier Reef, by my rough calculation. When it is a coral species time to spawn, it gets buck wild in the ocean. So coral are sessile, which is just a way of saying they're immobile. They spend their whole time just kind of staying still. Uh, you know, just like we've been on quarantine. We've been <laughs> sessile on our couches. And so having sex is a problem because how do you have sex and reproduce when you can't really move? So they will release sperm and egg packets into the water. And once if these sperm and egg packets just happen to bonk into each other, they will fertilize and form an embryo. <clears throat> so... In order to maximize the chance of successful fertilization, they have to synchronize. Uh, Because like if you just like send out your egg or your sperm packet and then it's like nobody else is doing it, maybe (laughs) one person like way far away is doing it, the chance they're going to bonk into each other is like pretty minimal. If everyone's doing it, it's a blizzard of sperm and egg packets and the chance that you're going to bonk into something uh, and get it fertilized is very high. And so that's what they do. It's this blizzard of coral sperm and eggs, and it's super colorful. So, uh, like, coral, so as pretty. we know, are very pretty, very colorful. And so you wouldn't even guess that it's such a such dirty business going on here because it comes in these colors of, like, yellows and pinks. Uh, and it's, like, this flurry. Uh, it, it looks like a m- magical enchanted blizzard. But, you know, that's uh, it's coral sex junk. Happening. Yeah,
4: there's a a photo that that I'm looking at here where there's like there's like coral spawning and it looks like like it's like really beautiful. You could put it up as like a a photograph like in your home as as like yeah. decoration. And then there's another one and there's a diver in the middle of it and <laughs> He looks a little like, okay, what did I get in the middle of here? Whoops. Oh, oh you guys.
3: Oh, yeah. gross. Yeah. Guys,
4: just come on. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like a snow globe. Like, yeah. you, you turn in the snow globe and you see all these, like, big sort of, like, uh, things of snow, except, like, it's pink and yellow and it's, you know, coral sex goo.
4: Yeah.
3: Once they fertilize, those will create new coral polyps. You can actually look, like, there's an aerial uh, photo, too, like, that shows these... Um, like mass coral uh, embryos that creates like this pink film on the ocean. It yeah. looks like someone just like spilled a bunch of pink ink it's in so the pretty. ocean. It's beautiful. Uh, it's just, but it also like shows you the scale of this event. It's just Huge, a huge number of uh, horny coral just making
4: babies. And how often does this happen? I
3: think this is a yearly event. I'm not sure if, like, every species does it every year, but they, they, uh, like, it's staggered enough that this happens Mm -hmm. relatively often. So... Uh, should we be worried about this? Uh, not really. I mean, unless you are a fish in a lagoon during an unfortunately timed weather storm that causes coral sex goop to rain down in your home and literally suffocate you, which actually <laughs> happened. Nine years ago, in a lagoon in an atoll in the Cocos Island in the Indian Ocean, a fluke storm blew a bunch of coral spawn into a lagoon system, which consumed oxygen, and then the decaying coral uh, polyps uh, released methane, which made the water unbreathable by the fish who suffocated and died uh, en masse. So sometimes, hey, coral sex does kill.
4: Wow. Yeah, that's like getting caught up in like somebody else's drama <laughs> <laughs> oh geez yeah yeah yeah
3: someone uh, like shows you a text like between them and someone they're seeing and it's like they expect you to resolve the drama it's like no yeah no i'm i'm not gonna be a fish in your coral sex <laughs> lagoon,
4: <all right? laughs> that's a great way to tell them no i'm, I'm yeah. not a fish in your coral sex lagoon okay <laughs> they'll know what you mean yeah they'll, they'll know they'll, they'll, they'll know they should <laughs> If they don't, you don't want to be their friend anyway.
3: Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like if they're if they're making you be a fish in their coral sex again, I'd, I'd say get out of there. <laughs> Cut those toxic ties.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I think we've covered probably as many mass spawning events as I can tolerate in one episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a it's look, it's the beautiful cycle of life, which sometimes happens in by the millions. Uh, but before we go, I do wanna do a listener email that was in response to last week's episode, which was about bunnies. Mara, you missed the bunnies. I missed episode the bunnies by, by one oh. by one week. So instead you had the mass cicada sex episode.
4: I I mean, it's it's still interesting to me. And I <laughs> and I got turtles, which I like. So That's true. So that's, that's true. cute too.
3: Massive baby turtles. Yes. A lot of them are gonna die. But hey, it's but, cute yeah. while it lasts.
4: But they're cute while they last, yeah. It's it's an ephemeral thing.
3: Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. Got, enjoy, enjoy the turtles every moment. Don't think about the turtles of the future. Think about the baby turtles of the now. Yeah,
4: it's it's like the those those you know what are those like the mandalas that they'll make in sand. You yeah, know? think about yeah. think about the beautiful patterns that the turtles make in sand and enjoy. Yeah, and then enjoy get their eaten presents. by a shark. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's you know so it goes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, here is this very nice, uh, not deadly email. Uh, hi, Katie. I'm a longtime listener uh, and I really enjoyed your lagomorph episode. I am a bunny owner and an ecologist and really appreciated the love you give to these underappreciated fluff balls. I just wanted to tell you a few cool things that I've learned about pet domestic rabbits. First, they can be letterbox trained fairly easily and successfully. Especially if they're spayed or neutered. I think in the show I threw a little bit of shade at bunnies. I said that you can try to litter box train them, but I think it's sort of on whether <laughs> they want, whether they feel like it or not. Yeah. Um, but apparently, it's uh, I, I look mea culpa. Apparently, bunnies will fairly readily poop in a litter box. That's good um, to know. Although
4: they, they seem very yeah. stubborn. Domestic every domestic yeah. bunny I've met has has been like I have a mind of my like people think cats yeah. are hard to control. Bunnies, yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, but yeah, but it's a whole new like. Cats are sort of like a little bit, but they're they're coy and playful about it. Where they're like, "Ooh, maybe will I, won't I?" But they they do yeah. they do love you and they. But like bunnies, yeah, they're like, no, no. Yeah. You think you're gonna get me to do something? Uh, uh. Yeah. I'll kick you in the face and pee on you. Yes, I've exactly. Had that happen to me, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although although uh, the the listener does admit that there will be an occasional misplaced bunny poop so hey yeah um uh she writes that the secret is to put hay in or next to the litter box so they can eat while they poop or pee luxury luxurious living um once litter trained the bunnies can roam in an area of the house freely after some bunny proofing the house rabbit society has lots of information on how to do this I also just wanted to mention a few other super cute bunny behaviors. When they are very excited, bunnies will do a jump and a shake their bodies midair, which is called a binky. (laughs) And when they are very relaxed, they will dramatically flop over on their side. Wow,
4: that's so cute.
3: I actually had a cat named Binky. Uh and he was he was pretty rabbit like because he was very scared. He never killed anything and would <laughs> run away. And one time this was in high school and I came home and I was, you know, frustrated with school, so I just dropped my books on the floor and across the room I didn't realize the cat was there. And so he jumped like a like three meters into the air. He was just, <laughs> it was so funny. Poor thing. Um and then, then the listener shared some beautiful pictures of the bunnies, uh, which are just for me, so Sorry That's so about cute. that, That's so <laughs> but cute. Um, oh, and then and then she writes. I also especially appreciated your bee episode. I did my master's degree studying native bees in Ontario, so I appreciate it when bee species other than honeybees get a mention. Uh, and this is from Emma. Thank you so much, Emma, for your kind words and for your bunny facts. So uh, I take it back. Bunnies can be litter box trained, but again, hey, look, th- when they want to, when like they if they. There may be a poop once in a while, and you're just gonna have to deal with it,
4: right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't pretend like you can control the bunnies.
3: No, you can't control a bunny. You are can't you control me?
4: the bunnies. <laughs> are
3: you me? No, no, they are they are th- those those strong back legs. They can they can slap you.
4: Yeah. <laughs> My I, I have a friend who has bunnies, and she says that they uh, they when they're pissed off at you, they'll turn their back on you and kick with their back legs. They'll kick dust yes. at you. Yeah. Yeah, which which yeah. I love you is is I, I love that about them. It's just like yes. I, I I love you bunnies for for being for being like the, hey screw you with their back legs. <laughs> yeah,
3: I mean I like that they they stand up for themselves because like we, we have this sense of like oh they're just little floppy bunnies they don't yeah. they're helpless frightened rabbits. Predators. Yeah, yeah no I mean it's more like the Peter Rabbit level of like defiance. Uh, they, which, yeah, my sister yeah. was
4: bitten by a bunny once. Oof! Yeah, ouch. yeah. They got strong teeth. They do. Yeah, she said she had to get a tetanus shot after.
3: Oof! Yeah, because yeah, oh yeah, because their teeth are so long. Yeah. Holy, wow.
4: She said the shot hurt more than the bite, but it was still very, right. very strange.
3: But uh, I mean, basically, <laughs> the the bunny is responsible for the shot too. So exactly. It's insult and injury to injury. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No, bunnies are serious business. Like I know bunnies are cute. I don't necessarily discourage having bunnies as a pet, but if you want one definitely look into it because yeah. i would say they're one of the harder pet like they're harder than a cat yeah. or a dog yeah i would say so yeah just just check it out because uh because there's a lot of special care you have to do uh my i had a friend who had a bunny and again like i would pet it and then when it wanted me to stop it would kick me and pee on me like flick- <laughs> it, would fl- it was a male and i think they like to flick urine so they so he would <laughs> kick me and flick urine on me and i was like you know, I think I'll stick with cats and dogs. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> you can predict they're they're more, yeah. they're more predictable. I only
3: sometimes get kicked by my dog, and that's usually unintentional. Yeah,
4: my my cat will will you know they'll go or or maybe they'll hit me or bite me lightly if I'm annoying them. Yeah, and I'm like okay, all right, we'll stop petting you. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, yeah. My my dog loves belly rubs, but like once it's like she's got a very specific. You have to pet her very specifically, and yes. if you stop, like. She she looks so qu- sweet and angelic but then if you pet her wrong like suddenly the little chihuahua demon face comes <laughs> into play and it's oh my god yeah, she's like Yeah It's really funny. Satan takes over. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mara, thank you so so much for joining me. It's truly been a pleasure to have you on. Big Thank uh, you. Big fan of you. Yeah. Big fan of your your Twitter and and your articles and so I am, you know, Trying to keep the fangirling to a minimum.
4: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love your stuff and I feel like, and I, I love learning about things that, that I don't know a lot about. So this is really cool to me. This is really fascinating.
3: I'm so glad that you could learn about, yeah. and I'm sorry about all the, uh, about all the coral uh, perversion. The
4: coral <laughs> <sex>. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. I'll give them their space. You know, I'm not going to kink shame <laughs> them.
3: <laughs> I mean if they if they, if you're like in a lagoon and they foist their kink upon you in the lagoon that's a problem. Yeah, but I'm you sorry, were also, that is problematic. You were wandering into their space. yes but that was like that I just there's like a freak storm that dispensed all of this coral sex goo on these poor fish. Uh, it's like it's like the uh like a disaster movie except a lot of cor- coral eggs and sperm. <laughs>
4: uh attack of the killer coral
3: attack of the killer coral coral babies attack sounds like there might be a plane yeah, yeah. there is or is it a storm of coral stuff
4: we've angered, angered the, the coral we've angered the coral dead. guards gods yeah now there's just gonna
3: be a cyclone of like coral sperm yeah sorry
4: yeah oh well <laughs> well Thank you again for coming on. Where can people find you? Thanks. Uh, They can find me at Mara Wilson on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I also have a cameo. I I do videos uh, where I will talk about, you know, anything. My cats or cookie recipes or uh, cicadas. (laughs) What I know of them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and those are really fun to make. Uh, I have a newsletter at mara.substack.com called Shat We Tell the Vicar because I come up with names for fake British TV shows. Nice. Uh, in them. <laughs> Every Ooh, time I have can an entry. You,
3: I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you can you do
4: uh, one? I can, I can, yeah, I can. There's, uh, I'm just here to do the hoovering. Uh, <laughs> there's that one, the b Mission Quigley, uh, Bubble and Squeak. Um, you know, uh,
3: that's perfect. Yeah,
4: it's perfect. Uh, it's and 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 sometimes it's kind of hard to tell which ones are real and which ones aren't.
3: Oh, yeah. No, I would believe it. if you It's like, like I'm just here to do the hoovering. I, I would totally think it was one. A real one. That's great. And you can find the show on the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. That is something very different. Uh, you can also send me an email at Creature Feature Pod at gmail.com with all your questions, bunny pictures, coral questions, if you have a problem with cicadas making loud sex noises, just let me know. Send me an email. Uh, and I'm Katie Golden. You can find me at Katie Golden on Twitter, where I just post all my Katie thoughts. Um, and as always, I'm also pro bird rights. Um, or is pro bird rights me? Am I birds? We'll find out on Twitter. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show and you leave me a rating, and review, I will read it, and it'll make my day. I'll I'll be floating on cloud nine all day long when you leave nice reviews. I really appreciate them. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song Exolumina. Creature features a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, app, podcast, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows, I don't judge. Even if you're listening it in, in, in like a coral sex lagoon, that's fine. I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to provide you with entertainment.
5: Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
2: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it.